Good morning and welcome to the H2G Podcast presents The Wire. What is up, everybody? You are listening to The Wire. We are excited because there was some crazy football, crazy football games. Um, Just a quick shout out to the Baltimore Steelers game. That was intense. I know Justin was very not concentrated when we were about to start our podcast because man that fourth quarter it was i think two the two minutes in is what justin and i were sitting here like scratching our heads like oh you know what like we may not be able to start the podcast for htg on time but that's not a bad thing because oh man what a game but we'll get to that game later we're gonna start off again with the nba as we have been traditionally recently um obviously for the league we're still gonna have to figure out what's going on are they going to start in christmas or are they going to start later that'll be conversation for another day uh but let's just start off with what i think was kind of interesting i I think the first thing i'd like to talk about boys is let's go with the 76ers we got a lot going on there actually we got to unpack so out brand uh which a lot of the philadelphia fans were not thrilled with is uh used to be a sixes uh guy himself used to play uh elton brand is being rehired for five years as a general manager now a lot of people were uh memeing and hating on elton brand because uh a lot of his decision making with the 76ers uh in a lot of cases like for instance jimmy butler not trying to reacquire him now jimmy didn't want to stay let me clarify that and he even said that vocally but a lot of the fans in philadelphia were not happy that they just basically traded to get Jimmy, wanted Jimmy there, and then Jimmy stayed for one year and kind of bounced. And then Tobias Harris is like their backup plan. So in a lot of ways, um, a lot of people were surprised by that. But I'm also really excited because Daryl Morey, who I think is incredible, is now gonna be the president of the 76ers organization. Now he was the GM of the Houston Rockets. Uh, what I thought was incredible is we had this tenure of the Warriors with Kevin Durant dominating dominating and a lot of people just don't necessarily know or don't remember but every single year actually the rockets were beating them in the playoffs and what would happen is either an injury or something to that effect or they were up and they would blow the leads so daryl morey he actually kind of did a little tell-all although he didn't do it it was leaked by an anonymous person but he basically said uh rockets under cheap ass you know let's keep it real uh, wouldn't pay over the luxury tack once, not a single time. And you, you're competing with the Cleveland Cavaliers who were, I think, 30 million over the luxury tax and the Warriors who were like 12 million over. And remember, the, the league has a much more hard cap than the NFL. So these were big numbers. And when, when Daryl Morey's handcuffed two hands behind his back and was still almost winning, except for the fact James Harden was choking, he's incredible. I think he's a great guy. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen with Philadelphia, but there's one problem, boys, in Philadelphia, and that is one Glenn Rivers. I will not call him Doc Rivers. There's only one Doc in Philadelphia, and it is not Glenn Rivers. Uh, Very underwhelming coach. They picked him up. So you got an entire new structure, new coach, new president, re-signing a general manager, what do you guys think? Let's let's just go with Glenn Rivers. Let's go with the doc. Let's go with the coach. I think that's the easiest conversation to have. Marv, what, what do you think about Doc? Do you think he can help Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons kind of work their magic? Because a lot of people are trying to say they need to trade one of them. No, I don't think that it's uh, I don't think it's a good fit 
for Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons uh, to have Doc as a coach. I think you have to trade one of those pieces because uh, what we've seen over the last few years, Joel Embiid hasn't been utilized properly in that system. He's a high-level, low-post scorer. That is what Joel Embiid is. He can't come up the ball. I mean, he can't come up the court and shoot the three from the perimeter. So you need a coach that will put him inside. And Ben Simmons, to his credit, has developed any kind of perimeter, any kind of perimeter shooting in the in the years that he's been with Philly. So you're going to have to move one of those pieces. And I think Doc coming into that system, it improves it, but it doesn't put them over the top. So I think that if they can trade for a James Harden, that would that would put the Sixers in a position where they can contend because you have a score on the outside, you have perimeter scoring, and you have a guy on the inside like Joel Embiid that can, that can score in the post. And then you can complement those two with complementary players around them, which is going to be the only way how, the, how I can see them contending with the Nets, Boston, and even the Heat. Because let's face facts, I mean, the, the, the Sixers culture has been tumultuous for the last five years, for the last decade. They've just underachieved. And I think that removing Brett Brown was a great decision. Now they have Doc and they can count on the cult, a culture change because that's really what they need. Because when you look at the landscape for the East, they're gonna have they're gonna have their hands full contending with the Nets, the Celtics, and those teams I just named off. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. Um, I don't find it complimentary at all. I'm glad we're on the same page. Uh, for the other boys, he, here's the best way to describe Ben Simmons. He's LeBron James. If LeBron James was a little less athletic and can't shoot a three pointer, Ben Simmons takes point one three pointers per game. Every ten games, he shoots one three pointer. His percent is twenty eight percent shooting at the three point line. He is of no consequential threat at the line. He is he has to penetrate and drive. And don't get me wrong, he can dunk. I don't mean it disrespectfully. I'm not trying to say that this guy's a scrub. Ben Simmons is an incredible talent, but Ben and Joel, it literally is the worst possible pick and roll setup you have. Because what you have is a guy who's gonna get a pick from Joel and he's gonna have to drive. He can't kind of do a, a step back and pull a three to get Joel open. Right, because what's going to happen is they go for pick and roll, and both the guys are just going to back up and be like, "Go ahead, Ben, don't shoot the ball because you're not going to." And and then Joel, the seven foot what three guy, okay, please shoot the ball because if you miss, we're getting the rebound. So it's it's an awkward situation in my opinion, and um, I wanted it to work. I really love Joel Embiid. I think um, if he wasn't so injury prone and he took the game more seriously, he'd be the best player in the league, literally. I think even or Anthony Davis. To me, Anthony Davis best player in the league, uh, even over LeBron. But uh, I think Joel Embiid could be that. I th- uh, when I see Joel Embiid, what I see is quick footwork, uh, very Shaquille O'Neal-ish. He's just incredibly, just so much bigger. I mean, he's four and a half inches taller than Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis made everyone look like children. Uh, Joel Embiid is incredible, but uh, he doesn't have what I think what he needs, and I think what Marvin kind of alluded to, in my opinion as well, is he doesn't have that like Kobe. He doesn't have that guy that's just going to get hot or a Ray Allen even for that matter. Just somebody who's going to keep the defense honest so they can't just stack the paint. 
and and it's just uh, you can't just have a deep center who's going to sit in the paint clog it up because then that's just going to inhibit ben because ben wants to drive so what you want is you want that paint free so ben can go in and do his work so i'm with you marv i think it does need to blow up i think the fans of philadelphia are correct um yeah it, it's weird they have so many new organizational structures that i like i'm not a huge fan of glenn honestly but don't get me wrong new scene as marv kind of suggested maybe it'll help uh i love daryl morey as president of basketball operations but guess what he doesn't dribble the ball right i mean you, you got james harden which i think is a super underrated player people always tend to forget his greatness i mean he averaged 35.6 points per game in, in a in a league where basically he's just playing iso ball you know the, the only time i've ever seen this is basically when mike mike was playing in the late 80s it's was, it was the only thing reminiscent in my opinion and we can talk about you know his histrionics and like making fouls and cause you know but the, the bottom line is the game the game is set up that way and james is playing within the rules and the confines of the game so if anything the game needs to change not james but tony is smirking and i'm very curious tony clearly i feel like you got something to say brother let me let me hear it let me hear it. well it's just it's just funny because i mean we've gone all over the place with uh you know your commentary and everything that you needed to say there which was good i like it it was a lot of information um but back to the doc rivers thing real quick so doc was a former nba player he coached the orlando Orlando magic uh for the first uh, couple of years he actually um won coach of the year uh, with Orlando Magic, then he went to the Boston Celtics, and with the Boston Celtics, you know, a great organization. Organization, um, you know, already had its main three. You know what I mean? With all the players that they had, they ended up winning a championship. And then he went to the LA Clippers, and he had, you know, so much talent there that I mean, they should have won with the talent that they've had. That's come and gone. See you later. Everything that's happened with the Clippers, he. Sh- should have made something happen there like he made happen with the Celtics. It didn't happen that way. Now he finds himself with the 76ers. And, you know, you said Ben Simmons is a watered down version of LeBron James, uh, you know, not as athletic. Well, guess what? That's like 60% of the NBA (laughs) are watered down versions of LeBron James and the other 40% we don't even know their names. They're just coming off the bench. So, you know, <laughs> I just think that's funny. I will agree with both of you about Embiid. And actually, Maury said, um, speaking about the general manager, said that this is Embiid's team. That was the first thing he said. Okay. Uh, so, you know, that's nice to know. But you got to have Embiid and you got to have Simmons and you got to have the other pieces come together. And I think they'll figure it out. But going back to my first, uh, my second topic that I wanted to state about Embiid, you both hit the nail on the head. Embiid reminds me of Shaquille O'Neal because Shaquille O'Neal could have been the greatest player of all times if he had the work ethic. I agree with that. He doesn't have the work ethic and he didn't have it. And so that's why you get what you get. Three time champion, three or four time champion. three MVPs, finals MVPs. I'm not saying anything against them, but he's even said it. Kobe's even said it. If he would have had a different mindset, a different work ethic, it'd be a different story. Embiid is in that same boat, I I believe. He's so talented and he could be more if he just 
put in the work. You got to put in the work to get the results. And that's why LeBron James is just so dominant. I mean, he's built dominant, but he plays dominant because he's got that work ethic and mindset. Same with Tom Brady. Everybody's like, Tom Brady. Everybody talks about Tom Brady. Do you know what Tom Brady physically puts himself through, mentally puts himself through, and emotionally put himself through every offseason and season? It is outrageous. You have to have that kind of mindset in order to be a killer, in order to get things done. And that's why Tom Brady got it done. That's why LeBron James is getting it done. Embiid, all you got to do is find out what that juice is, juice up your mind, get that work ethic, and it'd be a completely different story. You have the capability of writing your story. You just have to put in the work. Yeah, I agree with you, Tony. Uh, I think he cares more about tweets, though. Justin, you going to say something, brother? Yeah, uh, Tony, you pointed that. I'm glad you, you called uh, Richie out on one of those. He also threw in that little jab about Anthony Davis being number one in the league. I guess we'll get to that a little bit later. We're just going to run over that one. Uh, what comes to mind with this whole situation is a movie and a story of a baseball uh, a baseball story about Billy Bean. The movie's called Moneyball. It takes, uh, I, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. But the moral of the whole story is it takes the perfect scientific uh, experiment to get a team that's going to flow um, for seasons on end. You know, nobody's wanting just one win. Nobody's wanting just one good season. It, it's a it's a perfect uh, matchup. And it doesn't always mean having, that's the takeaway from Moneyball, it doesn't always mean having the heavy hitters, having the LeBron James. Sometimes it means having a solid 75% across the board. Um, so I think the 76ers are get there but you know I that's just what comes to mind with this situation for me is is Moneyball and Billy Bean and that whole story okay yeah I mean I I really want it I want them to succeed I love watching traditional centers like true centers and that's what I see in Joel Embiid and uh I I you know actually that's why I've kind of always been an Anthony Davis hater is he's a power forward who should play center but he doesn't want to take the beating of playing a center and he said that like he doesn't want to play center uh and it honestly that's disappointing to me it's disappointing because look what he did in the playoffs when he was center. like he dominated and i hate seeing that so you know by de facto default joel Embiid is the best center in the league when he could be the best player in the league and actually we're gonna get right into that real quick we got a 2k rating system that came out uh, i don't agree uh, i'm gonna go over the top 10 and i'll let you guys comment on it uh, we have number one, LeBron James, 98 overall. Show that man respect, MVP. Giannis is number two at 97. Kawhi Leonard, 96 third. James Harden is also fourth at 96. Kevin Durant, 95. Anthony Davis, 95. Dame Lillard. 95. Steph Curry, 95. Luka Doncic, 94. And Jimmy Buckets at number 10, 93. I'm going to let the boys handle this and I'll just kind of process afterwards. So anyone who wants to go for it. I mean, it it's, uh, it's very interesting. You know, to see some of the names that, because I got the link that you sent, it's, uh, 
I mean, Dame time, yeah, uh, yeah. 95 though, you know, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Jimmy Butler, 93, yeah. I mean, he did do a little something, something, but just cause you did a little something, something, doesn't mean that you should just be awarded a 93. I mean, where's, where's, uh, where's our boy at, you know, that shoots the threes? Steph, okay, Steph's at 895. Okay, I mean, Dame and him have the same rating. Okay, and so that grown man has two MVPs and is a three time champion, and he has the same rating as Dame Lillard, who's won nothing. I just, I just don't see, I, I just don't see some of these. I mean, Kevin Durant, yeah, he was injured last season, so you got to kind of put him, you know, probably where he was the year before that, which he, he probably dropped down a couple points. He was probably, what, a 97 or something last year? He was a 97 the year before, so, so yeah. I think this is the right number for him. Yeah, so, I mean, I agree with that. James Harden, that's a bad mamma jamma. I can, I can see 96. Kawhi... Uh, I'd see, I think Kawhi is probably more of a 95. I mean, think about it. Think about this. Dame Lillard, Luca, and Jimmy Butler are probably the three that I'd be like, mm, we got to change up these overall. I mean, just me personally. I mean, who am I? It's just yeah. my personal opinion. Uh, you know, Clay Thompson definitely should be a little bit higher than an 89. Uh, Chris Paul, he's right where he's at. He, he probably should actually even be a little bit lower than that. I'm not a Chris Paul hater. I'm just I'm just being honest. Paul George should definitely be a 90. Um, you know, but some of these, I just, mm, I just, I don't agree with them. I really don't agree with some of these. LeBron James is obviously going to be the number one player in the NBA, and he has the highest rating. I give him that. They were a little soft on him with the three-point overall with the 78. I think LeBron James shoots threes a little bit better than than that. But other than that, I I really don't have anything to say. Unless someone else has something to bring to the table to kind of make me question or retort. But uh, other than that, I, I just don't see it. I really don't. I mean, for me, what I'll say is this. I am shocked Dame and Steph have the same rating. Uh, again, I think Dame is a baller. I actually think Dame is a, more of a baller than Steph. And I, I, I know that's a hot take. Uh, but that's because Dame does not have anyone around his ass. And he still puts it up. And man, he, you want to talk about like a clutch shot maker? I think that's Dame Lillard. But having said that and having the respect I have for him, I think when you look at like resumes, I, you know, I just don't think it's fair to have that Dame and Steph have the same rating. Like, I love Dame. I think I personally think Dame is a better point guard than Steph Curry. I, I know that's another hot take. I really do feel that way. Dame is a boss, but you got to do something to, you know, to, same thing with Luka Doncic. Another thing you meant. Luka is the future. I think in three years, Luka's going to be a 97. I think Luka is the future, but I am, I am surprised he is a 94 right now. The, the, the boy been in the league two years and he got a 94. He's the eighth, the ninth best player already. You know, like there was a movie. There's a movie, ladies and gentlemen, that I loved. Uh, it's called The Great White Hype uh, years ago. Boxing movie. And uh, as much as I love Luca and he is not hype, he is worth it. I do feel like they're just they're wanting to have that like Larry Bird 
white guy in the top 10 by giving him a 94. I think Luka, don't get me wrong, this year is going to ball and he'll deserve that 10, that top 10. But I don't see kind of what uh, Tony referred to. I don't see how you put Luka above some of these players. I don't see how Luka at a 94 is above a guy like Joel Embiid, who, yes, he was hurt. Yes, he's not playing at the level he's playing. But Joel Embiid is the best center in the league. And you telling me Luka Dunk, they, 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 they five point guards who, who have a higher score than the best center in the league. Like now when I used to play video games and maybe I'm an old man and I don't play them no more. So I don't understand. But when I used to play video games, each position would have like a best player. And that player was usually close to that 99. That's usually how that worked. So Joel Embiid at 91 is disgraceful. Jimmy Butler getting a 93 is disgraceful. Jason Tatum only being a 90 is disgraceful. Uh, Nikolai Jokic only being a 90 is disgraceful. That man showed Anthony Davis up, quite frankly, a lot of the time. So I am shocked at some of these. Kawhi Leonard does not deserve a 96. That's blasphemy. If you're gonna put Paul George at an 88, how dare you put Kawhi Leonard at a 96? Like PG should be a 90. Uh, Leonard, after his pitiful performance, should go down to a 94. I think he should be at Luca's rating, 94. I, I, he choked harder than I've ever for a man who was willing to put a crown on his necklace before the season started at his little Converse thing, saying he's the king of LA, and to score. Well, Marvin, help me out here. How much did he score in the fourth quarter? I think it was zero point, two points, zero points, something like that in game Four seven. Points. Four points. Four points. Thank you. Four. Four points. And this is the yeah. reigning finals MVP. The, 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 well, the former reigning finals the MVP. At that point, was the reigning MVP. finals MVP. Yeah, at that point. He, 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 a 96. He the third best player in the league after choking that hard. Come on, 2K. Come on. Be better. Be better. Well, Richie, I, I got to tell you, this, this list isn't accurate. And I have to... I have to disagree with with a couple of takes you and uh, Tony took on this. Uh, Joel Embiid does not deserve to be a 91. And it's just what Tony said earlier. He doesn't take the game seriously enough. We've all seen it from his level of play, Rich. We know what he's capable of being. We all know that. We all know that he's capable of, of putting up Shaq-like numbers. We've seen it, but he doesn't take care of his body. And that's another story for a different day. But Luka, Don Luka Doncic definitely deserves to be a 94. And I think that's rightfully so, a rightful rating. If you see the way he performed in the playoffs this postseason, he is the clear cut de facto leader of that team. And you saw, I mean, he is the future of the league. He is, his future is very bright. Uh, okay, let's see what else we got here. Kawhi Leonard does not deserve to be a 96. I think we all can agree on that. Um, based off his playoff performance, he definitely needs to drop down to at least a 93. Uh, Paul George, I disagree with him being an 88, y'all. That's not it. 88. You see, okay, this man dubbed himself playoff P. What have we seen from the last, mm, was it last four postseasons from Paul George? This man hit the side of the backboard in a game seven, and this man's an 88. He's ranked over Jamal Murray. Are they kidding me? Jamal Murray is an 87. How disrespectful is 2K? And this man, <laughs> very laughable, very laughable that Paul George is ranked ahead of Jamal Murray. Shame on 2K. 
Okay, let's see what else we got here. Russell Westbrook at 88. Okay, I mean, this is right. I think that's, uh, I think we should drop at least three more points because he lacks a jump shot. And we see in uh, that series against the Lakers, he just disappeared. He's become more mouth over the last few years than if anything. And uh, so I, I really think that he doesn't deserve that rating being 88. Uh, we'll see what else we got, y'all. Okay, Anthony Davis in 95. I agree. I, I agree with that rating, Richie. Tony, Justin, I agree with that. I mean, this dude is the best power forward in the game with, with point guard skills. I mean, yeah. I mean, clear cut MVP candidate for next year. Um, James Harden. <sighs> James Harden. Come on, y'all. Y'all help me out. <laughs> James Harden does not deserve that rating at 96. Clearly, have seen him come up short time and time again in the postseason, mm. choking. Um, can't blame Russell Westbrook. Can't blame Daryl Morey. Can't blame Mike D'Antoni. All the blame is on James Harden. James Harden is becoming more and more one-dimensional every single year. Dribble, 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 step back, shoot. Dribble, 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 step back, pass. Dribble, 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 drive and kick, pass. It's the same old, same old. And Kobe even said it. That style does not win championships. So I agree and I agree with everyone else on this panel, hopefully, that he doesn't deserve that rating of a 96. Uh, Kevin Durant, okay. Kevin Durant, it could be arguably said that he would be the best player in the NBA right now, say he never got hurt. But we don't know what he's going to do next year. We have to wait and see. So this rating at 95, uh, you know, we'll just, we'll, he, he, he can keep it. Out of respect for KD, keep it. because. But we have to see. We have to see. If he's not the same from this Achilles injury, then he's going to drop. Which nobody ever has. Which no same. one's ever recovered. Including Kobe Bryant. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it, time will only tell. Uh, Kyrie Irving, y'all, at 90. I mean, Richie, you think he's deserving of that? Hell no, he ain't deserving of 90. And I, I'm a big Kyrie fan. I have Kyrie shoes, whole nine yards. I love Kyrie, but he played like dog shit last year and the year before this boy is not a leader he's complained constantly that he you know he wanted to have opportunities to grow and him and kevin are gonna drive that team into the ground. Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong they'll still win like 45 to 50 wins anyway like it'll happen well actually it depends on how many games they get to play yeah. but the point is they'll be like a 65 percent mm -hmm. win team but you're just worried about that kind of system hurry Kyrie should get an 85 like you were saying about Russell Westbrook. Kyrie deserves the same number, think, 85. He does not deserve I, I agree with That's that. That's insane. And I think that, you know, the best center in the game is another talk for another day. But when I'm looking at Nikola Jokic, Nikola Jokic being the Joker. 90, the Joker. <laughs> that, that I mean, that's his new name now. Uh, him being at 90, that doesn't do him a justice. Nikola Jokic should be a 94. Because to me, Richie, he's the best center in the game. Nick, the Joker is the best center in the game. I'm gonna say that one more time, y'all. Nikolai Jokic, the Joker, is the best center in the game. Go back and look and see what he did this postseason. Go back and see what he did to the Clippers. 
because the Clippers, they threw everything, they threw everything in the kitchen sink at Nikolai Jokic and they couldn't stop him. They threw Paul George at him, nothing. Kawhi Leonard, nothing. Montrose Harrell, nothing. And sweet Lemon Pepper Lou, nothing. They couldn't do nothing with Jokic. He's the best center in the game. But I'll wrap it up. I mean, 2K doesn't really seem to get it right every year. They really seem to be a little off sometimes and give guys ratings that they really don't just, you know, that are clearly have to, have to earn, like Jimmy Butler being in the 93. Come on, y'all. As much as we respect Jimmy Butler on this show, he's not deserving of a 93. He's all, he's, he's all heart. He's all heart, but a 93? That's like, that, that, you just over Jason Tatum? I'm done. Somebody take it. Justin, take it away. I'll be real short and sweet again because you guys have covered this list, you know, three times over. I, In my opinion, 99 should represent, like, GOAT. You know, in, in my opinion, and I've always viewed it this way, and I thought that they've underdone it both on uh, 2K and on Madden. NCAA football I used to play a lot. I've always felt like 99 is as good as this, is, this rating is going to get, right? So I'd love to see LeBron at a 98 and then let's work our way down and be realistic from there and make 99 something that has to be achievable. You know, I I think LeBron, the only thing I'll say is I think LeBron is the only one consistently putting up those huge freaking numbers still. Um, So I see that rating there, but I I still, I I think 99 should be, you know, almost impossible because it's a video game. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's based on, on stats and things like that, but let's lower that top bar down a little bit because I don't even know that, you know, how can we be sure that LeBron hasn't had his miracle season yet? You know, maybe that's still coming for him. That's that's happened. So I don't know. I think overall 99 is too achievable, but otherwise my list is going to sound similar to what you've already heard. So, Justin, I just know I'm not getting Paul George in 2K if I'm playing. If I go cut the game <laughs> on right now, all I know, y'all, is that I'm not playing with Paul George. <laughs> know that all right i feel like that's gonna do it although marv good point about Jokic. we'll have to talk about mm-hmm. that some other time tony's gonna hit us up with some nfl but stay tuned folks you're listening to are you tired of the mundane one subject one point of view podcast have you been searching for a show that combines comedy games current events and hot new up-and-coming artists Well, look no further. The H2G Podcast has everything you need to start your week out right. So what are you waiting for? Stream previous seasons now at h2gpodcast.com. The H2G Podcast, Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Available at all social media platforms near you. All right, welcome back, y'all, to The Wire. We're going to do a little NFL talk, so I'm going to give you a little rundown real quick of this past weekend's games. It's going to be real fast. The Falcons down the Panthers 25-17. to The Vikings took care of the Packers 28-22. to The Titans lose to the Bengals 31-20. to The Chiefs rock the house against the Jets 35-9. to The Colts... Whooped on the Lions, 41 to 21. The Steelers 
handled their business, took care of it, even though the Ravens were making a game out of it and they should have won that game 28 to 24 for the Steelers. The Dolphins took care of the Rams 28 to 17. What happened to the Rams? Come on, man. The Bills 24, the Patriots 21. Cam Newton fumbles within the, uh, the last minute of the game for the Bills to secure that win. The Browns lose to the Raiders 6 to 16. The Broncos took care of the Chargers by one point, 31 to 30. The Saints took care of the Bears 26 to 23 in overtime. The 49ers lose to the Seattle Seahawks 37 to 27. The Eagles, this damn division, I swear to God, this division. The Eagles took care of the Cowboys 23 to nine. And you, you still have the Buccaneers-Giants game going on. But as of right now, the Giants are in the lead 14 to six. But we'll, we'll make a prediction on who we think will come out of that game. So what we're going to do now is we're going to play uh, defer or take the ball. So I'm going to I'm going to ask somebody, uh, you know, a game. Do they want to take the take the ball and talk about it or do they want to defer and go to a different game? So uh, Marvin, my friend, do you want to defer or do you want to take the ball for the Vikings and Packers? I'll defer. Okay. All right. Next on the Pretty list. Pretty much like what their defense did this past <laughs> Sunday. Their defense deferred. <laughs> Next on the list is the Chiefs and the Jets. Do you want to take the ball or do you want to defer? Marvin. <laughs> I'm going to defer. I'm going to defer on the, the hapless Jets. <laughs> no conversation needed. No conversation. Yes. Chiefs, Chiefs walked in, took care of their business, walked out, and took right. care of their business. That's right. it. I got a real good one for you, Marvin. You ready? Mm -hmm. you defer or take the ball on this one? The Bills and the Patriots. <laughs> I will take the ball on this one. All right. Go I'll ahead, my the friend. Ball. Mike is yours. I'll take the ball on this one. I mean, basically what we're looking at here is a lack of depth on the offensive and defensive side of the ball for the Patriots. Uh, they're not the team that they were last year, uh, clearly. Um, especially what Bill, Bill Belichick did, clearly said yesterday. Uh, they sold out and won three Super Bowls and ended up paying Cam million, a million because they had no choice. They have no depth on this team. When you look at their receiving core, it's pretty much like all four of us on, the, on this panel is or could play offense for the Patriots right now. They just have nobody. Cam Newton has nobody to throw the ball to. He has a lack of options. They have a lack of a running game. The defense really checked out because of the COVID, because of COVID and injuries that's piled up on that side of the ball. So New England is at a standstill. And this game, they had an opportunity to win. They were close. They kept it close. Um, what was more shocking than what well, hasn't been shocking to me is how bad the Bills' defense has been over the past few weeks. Um, they put the offense in a precarious situation for Josh Allen to uh, to, to you know to, to keep the to have the ball in his hands more because the defense isn't doing his job. So they had they let the Patriots in this game. It was really close. And that last second turnover by Cam Newton uh, was just was just devastating. I mean, last week, I mean, he just came off three interceptions. It's not looking good for Cam Newton and the Patriots going forward. Um, I think you might see a quarterback change 
within the next few weeks. But, uh, you know, who knows? Um, the Patriots now sit at two and five. This game was theirs to win, but they they let they they let them off the hook in the red zone, and the Patriots coughed up another one. So I think that the Patriots are now officially on a downward spiral. That was their game to kind of get back into to some kind of fight and contention in the division, but I just don't see it happening. And the Bills on that on that note. They have to play more consistent football. I mean, you, they got the win, but granted, if you're lose, if you're winning close games like this against the Patriots with lack of offensive weapons, what are the Bills going to do when they get into the postseason? So it's something that the Bills have to figure out. They definitely have to figure out those defensive woes. They definitely got some injuries on that side of the ball, but this game um, was uh, the Bills earned it. Can I say? Yes, sir. And I agree with you 100%. You know, the Bills have to be a little bit more consistent, but right now they're consistently winning. They're owning that division as of right now, the AFC East with six wins, two losses. They're two games ahead of Miami. They're four games ahead of New England, and they have the win. And the New York Jets, well, they're still being looked for. There's a search party on the Jets, and we still haven't found them yet. So, Justo. Are you going to defer or take the ball for the titans Bengals game? I'm going to defer that one because I feel like there's somebody who likes the uh, orange and black in this room that can oh. comment on that. That's okay. So then I'll just go ahead and just do this then. Do, do you defer or take the ball for the Steelers-Ravens game? Give me that ball, man. All right. You take, you take that the ball. ball. I'm wearing a certain jersey today. <sighs> Oh, I'm taking the whole camera down with me. Because there's a time with the Pittsburgh Steelers that I miss when when there was a sure thing. But you said the Pittsburgh Steelers went in and handled their business on Sunday. That was your quote from the, the beginning of this segment. Mm, no, they didn't, man. I'm not convinced. I'm still not convinced. The Pittsburgh Steelers came out with a win. But as Richie referred to, we were trying to record the H2G podcast and I was over here having a heart attack uh, watching them barely hang on to a three-point lead uh, all the way down to the wire. There was a lot of mistakes in this game. Ben Roethlisberger played by himself. I think that's a problem that we're still having that I've already mentioned on this show. why can't we figure out a method to get that man some protection? He is not a, a 300 pound heavy bag that can just keep getting beat on and make successful long throws downfield. Um, Smith Schuster, we talked about underperforming. I think he looked more like a short range halfback in this game than he did a receiver. He looked more like Jerome Bettis than he did a receiver. You know, we, we've we've compared him to, we, we had him in that conversation with the AB game uh, and, you know, replacing a receiver with another receiver that can do the long range thing. And he can, and he's proven that. But in this game, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that they're the best in the league um, with the NFC, uh, well, let's see, the NFC East looking the way it is. I think this could be one of the most competitive divisions in the league right now. Um, we can't forget about Cleveland. And uh, I, I, man, I just wanted to see a much better performance from Pittsburgh overall. I think the defense 
um, has been making a name for themselves this year and, and reclaiming that Iron Curtain status, I think they had a lot of holes downfield. I think they they left a lot of open uh, spots. And Lamar Jackson, if he didn't have a if he didn't have a, a a guy open, he had no problem gaining an extra ten or eleven, and that adds up as we've seen over time. And that was the threat all the way down to the end. This man is still making uh, a play out of nothing and making twelve yards happen. And everybody's just standing around. And I, you know, I, I I constantly see that pocket closing on Ben. I constantly see him forcing the ball like we've talked in the past. And I constantly see mistakes. If that keeps up, we're not going to be able to handle a team like the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm just saying. Yep. Valid points. I agree with you on that. You know, the Steelers definitely didn't look like themselves. But then again, I said it last week, a win is a win. And in the Ravens, that was their game to lose more than the Steelers actually won that game. And I think the Ravens know that, but hey, it's something for the Steelers to build off of. And uh, we'll actually have a little bit more about uh, Steeler talk uh, with Richie later on. He has a very great point. But Richie, real quick, we're gonna do defer or or take the ball. Uh, I'm gonna give you the Raiders or the Browns. Raiders and the Browns. You want to take the ball, um, take the ball, or defer? I'll take okay. the ball. Why not? So here's what I want to talk about, particularly about this game, is it's not about oh Cleveland lost another game and they're five and three. Uh, what I would like to point out to the league is the Raiders at four at three. Now that sounds terrible, right? Four and three, four and three. But one of the things about the Raiders is they've had the toughest schedule by far and as a matter of fact they're in the remaining schedule the remaining schedules ranking of difficulty is 28th so considering they had the hardest schedule up till now and they're four and three and have survived i'm looking forward to seeing what they're capable of man they 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 let's not forget man that they they actually took kansas city and gave them one of these so who knows? I'm looking forward to it. Um, as far as Cleveland goes, I'm a little disappointed. I, I really expected them to have a better performance, but I mean, it's kind of tough right now. You know, like when Kareem Hunt's your guy, you know, it's, he's not, how do I want to say this? He's not the superstar that they had with Chubb, right? So you're losing your identity. You've lost your arguable best wide receiver, although I personally don't think o Odell is the best wide receiver on that team. I think Jarvis Landry is for that team specifically. Emphasis on that. Um, you know, you lost your best wide receiver. You lost your star running back. You were, you were the number one offense in rushing yards in the league at that point. Um, I understand why Cleveland kind of um, lost that game. I don't and because again, my point is this is I don't think people are people are going to look at it as Cleveland failing. But I think it's just people don't really recognize the Vegas Raiders. And don't get me wrong, this wasn't a pretty game. This wasn't a fun game to watch at all. It was actually uh, pretty much a snooze fest. <laughs> Let's be honest, folks. Uh, this And this wasn't even what I would consider, you know, at least like when you have like a Steelers-Ravens game, which actually ended up being, you know, high prolific scoring game. It wasn't even like a defensive struggle. It was just a bad, boring game. Car threw for 100 yards. It was just not impressive. I mean, Jacobs did good. Jacobs did good. I think he averaged like 4.8, something like almost five yards per carry. Uh, he, he killed, you know, cowbell ran out the clock. But I am very curious to see if the Raiders are fraudulent or if they are potentially for real. Because again, when you had the hardest schedule and you came out four and three, 
it's not too bad it's not too bad at all and again cleveland's not a bad team now sure this isn't fully you know loaded cleveland but let's let's see what i am very curious to see the back half of this season and see where the raiders end up now obviously they'll be vying for a wild card spot because let's be honest i don't see them getting past kansas city but that's where things could get interesting because they just played another potential AFC wildcard spot and front runner in Cleveland with Baltimore, etc. So um, I think this is a possible scenario where you see a play in and hopefully we'll get a better result next time. I think it wasn't exactly what we as football fans want to see. Nobody wants to see a snooze fest. That was basically the running back did his job and nobody else did anything. But, and that's what this game was, but that's no fault to the Raiders. Uh, they, they got a win where they needed and they did it on the road. So kudos to the Raiders. I had a question on a quick tip that you just spurred before we, I know we were, we're on the schedule here, but um, I, when are, do you know when they're playing again? And have you guys, what do you guys think about some of these schedule changes? I saw that the Steelers Ravens next matchup is Thanksgiving. They're like two weeks out from another huge physical rivalry. Um, you guys have any thoughts on these COVID changes on the schedule? I mean, it, it's kind of a necessity, I suppose. You know, it's it's really hard to have conversations about this just in the sense of you never know what's going to happen. People, you know, teams are getting infected and it is what it is. You know, um, I, I think a lot of teams are playing next week. All I can say is, you know what? My Bengals won and they're on a bye, so I don't even care. I'm going to watch every single game laser focused on the 8th and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that that's my sentiments exactly. I mean, it pretty much is what it is. And, you know, I'll tell you, last week, a lot of teams surprised me on some of the games they won, and some teams surprised me on some, some of the games that they lost. But the Jets did what I pretty much thought would happen against the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, Danny Green, you know, said, or Dennis Green said it best, you know, the Jets are who we thought they were. You know, so I'm going to just leave it with that. Is it? Go ahead, Richie. What are you going to say? No, oh, I mean, they, they definitely left them on the hook in this case because they owe an eight, man. <laughs> I don't think they're going to win. I think they're going to win 16. Well, I don't I mean, see they, coming. I mean, they bailed out. They traded Le'Veon. They traded a linebacker uh, to the Steelers. I mean, they're just they're just dumping stuff right now. So, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of things that are going on with the Jets. They're going for that first first round pick. So, hey. They probably makes it even <laughs> makes it even more hilarious, Tony. I'm sorry, is that the Jets are taken for a guy that says he wants to stay in college if they select him. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> they're already they've already lost the draft already. The, the the guy, the number one pick is already said, I'll stay in school if they if they want me. <laughs> if they want me, right? Isn't that hilarious to me? What Marvin is and then the other thing is like, okay, sure, they're no fans, so you don't have to worry about people booing because you're like intentionally tanking. But the, then what do you do? You can't take the kid you want. What where this doesn't make sense. And think about this. They're four four wins away, the Jets. They're four wins away from leading if they were in the NFC East. They're four, <laughs> four wins away. I just, that right. damn division. Every week, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, fam, but every you single know, week, I'm bringing this shit up. It's, it's disgusting. Not- it's disgusting that we have to waste our time on this panel, even for five minutes, talking about the Jets. Because... I think maybe this is a discussion, Richie, y'all, I don't know, for another day. 
But why in the hell does Adam Gase still have a job? I that's what I don't understand. Why does he still have a job? Justin, why does he have a job? Richie, Tony, why does this man still have a job? If this was anyone else, had this been a black coach, y'all? Okay, let's really get to that. And they were this and that, would he kept his job? You know, you know, we're just to get into this, Marv, I'm gonna go on a different person. You know who, who really needs to be fired? More than him? Matt sure. Patricia, Lions head coach. How the hell does oh, yeah. he have a job? How that Jim Caldwell was seven and nine. Was seven and nine. All right. Great coach. Black man. Kind of annoying that at seven and nine, he loses his job. They were close to getting, they were pieces away. And then Matt Patricia does his like white man New England speech, which all these coaches from New England that, you know, come out from the Belichick system always suck. Well, he's the worst one. I've seen some bad ones. I've seen Charlie Weiss. I've seen what's that goofball's name that went to Denver and drafted Tim Tebow. I, can't, I don't even care. McDaniels, Josh McDaniels, who gives a shit? Doesn't matter. He's not relevant. Matt Patricia is the worst. They went from seven and nine to like, they can't win a, f excuse me. They can't win. I almost cursed. They can't win a game. They can't do anything. And this guy is acting like he is the, the juggernaut. Like he's acting like he's the Marvin Lewis of the New England's defense. As if he cultivated this insanely great defense. Matt Patricia had nothing to do with that defense. Bill Belichick did. It is obvious because when you look at the Lions, they can't stop nobody. They can't stop a cold. They can't stop COVID. No. They can't stop nothing. Are you kidding? You said it best. Marvin Lewis would be better suited to coach that team. I I was shocked, honestly, uh, not just by Marv, but the, the Cowboys only went with two people, and they obviously just gave Marv the, the, the Rooney rule bullshit just so they could hire that idiot from Green Bay. I don't even, I, I don't even want to talk about it. He doesn't even deserve an opportunity to coach it. You know, you know what? Like there are some people, you know, we, we, we can have this debate about Belichick versus Brady. We both know on some level, they're both pretty good, but let's not kid ourselves on who was the reason Green Bay was successful. Cause it certainly was one Aaron Rodgers, and based on the division Tony's talking about, it's clear as day. Cause the Dallas Cowboys suck; they're terrible. They're all terrible. The NFC East is disgusting. I can't believe we they are still getting prime time games. I am surprised and shocked and appalled that week in and week out, I have to watch either the Washington Football Team, the fucking Eagles the Cowboys or tonight, the Giants playing in primetime football when there are combined like seven wins or something between four teams. It's disgusting. They have the same amount of wins as the, the, the Steelers. Maybe they have one more, excuse me. It may be one more total between four teams. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. And it's like, I don't even understand because they're not like the biggest markets in, in the United States. It'd be different if like every, you know, if every single one of these markets was just so massive that we had to like bow down and find it's Chicago and it, you know, it's New York City, but they are not, you know, LA has like what, 40 million people. You know what I mean? Like, and, and all we do is hear the Cowboys and the Eagles. Man, I am so sick of this shit. I, I'll tell you what, I cannot wait to see whatever team it looks like it's the Eagles that goes into the playoffs. And I can't watch, wait to watch the play like the Seahawks and lose like 50 to fucking seven. It's going to be the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen in my life. For sure. 
which is even more funny is that the team with a losing record that wins this division will have a home playoff game. A home playoff game. Playoff game, yeah. That's the thing I was going to say. There's going to be teams that have a better record than the person that wins this, than the team that wins this division that won't even make the playoffs. Think about that. Think about that. They'll have a better record and they won't even be able to play in the playoffs because, hey, that's some shitty stuff right there. Now, it might be a different story if, if Dak wasn't hurt. We can go down that road, but hey, it is what it is. And maybe historically these teams have been around for a while and maybe that's why they get all this recognition. Who knows what it is? I, I really can't say. But, you know, uh, Jerry Jones has his head so far up people's ass that he just gets all the stuff that he wants when he wants it. And that's fine. That's just Jerry Jones and that's how he does business. And that's cool. You know, and if Jerry disagrees with what, what I say, because little old me, he's not going to worry about what I say. But if he wants to say something, you're welcome to come join the show on the wire and dispute or, or you know, uh, fight your own battles or however it may be said. But anyway, moving on. Richie, you brought up a great point, and we kind of we kind of got into that a little bit when we were talking about the head coaches. But a milestone had happened for Mike Tomlin, and I'd like for you to just indulge us with a little bit of of what that is. Yeah. So there's two incredible milestones that I wanted to point out to, and then honestly, I want to defer to Tony and Justin as they are Steelers fans. Uh, this is not a Steelers episode. We already did that last week, but Mike Tomlin has 140 regular season wins. So he has surpassed Tony Dungy for most wins by an African-American head coach in NFL history already. And uh, what I was talking to the boys before the podcast was, you know, growing up and people our age, Tony Dungy was like the black coach. He was the guy that we we got to see. We watched him win a Super Bowl, you know, and then he paved the way for guys like Romeo Cornell and, um, Marvin Lewis and others to have opportunities in Jim Caldwell's um, and it was incredible for me so it's just one of those things that even though I watch football and maybe it's because I'm such a Steelers hater that I wasn't really you know consciously paying attention to this so to see that it was just you know what like that's awesome man and Mike Tomlin is you know the Steelers took him at a very young age and um, what an incredible leader of men let's be honest he's always very much uh the Steelers way and like when you think of a head coach and you hear like what I loved what he basically said similar to what Justin said and you know not verbatim but it was basically like we fucking suck today is what he said when everyone was all like asking him questions it's like we played like crap and we didn't deserve to win that game and we shouldn't have won that game um I really like his accountability I've always thought that way about him I think he's incredible and uh another statistic is he's had 14 seasons and he's yet to have a losing season so he said you know even seasons and he's had winning seasons but he has never had a losing season so far so it just goes to show you though in my opinion and i'm gonna let these two speak and please marvin feel free as well that it doesn't matter how successful you are as a black coach because look at like how incredible this man has done in this field and i'm not hearing anything of this let's be honest. i'm not hearing much about this and to have the success he's had and to not get the renown and the respect that some of his uh, contemporaries would have uh, is baffling to me. You know, like, again, I watch football. I watch a lot of sports. I, I think a lot of you will kind of tend to notice that I'm very statistics driven and I pay attention to things. And 
I'm shocked that I didn't know this already, but it's shocking to me that this information and that this wasn't like something people were paying attention to. This wasn't like an ESPN tracker type thing or whatever you want to call it. Um, bizarre, bizarre. I mean, this is a historic moment that that win was a historic moment in that man's career and honestly in the NFL's history. Uh, and I'm shocked, you know, he's at the age, they said he's one year younger than when Bill Belichick and Tom Brady won their first Super Bowl. So this man is staying in the NFL as long as he would like to. And I, I hope it's for Pittsburgh as much as I'm not a fan of them. Uh, you know, this man never deserves to lose his job. He should be there until he feels like retiring. I mean, good grief, 14 seasons without losing at all. Hasn't lost a single season in an extremely competitive um, division. Because again, like right now, it's just Baltimore and Pittsburgh and, you know, Cleveland this year. But, you know, over the last six years, it hasn't been that way. But, you know, when, when Tomlin first started, the Bengals were actually a pretty good team. Like every year, he's had to deal with contenders year in and year out, Super Bowl contending type teams. And for him to not have a losing season once, for him to deal with the, the drama that he has to deal with, for him to watch his teams constantly like, just flip players. So like, oh, this Mike Wallace, see you later, man. I don't care if you're the third best wide receiver. We'll just get this guy and we'll groom him and we'll make it happen. And for him to have years where he just didn't have a defense and Ben was carrying them and him working around that and coaching around that strategy to where they are now and they're the best team in the league statistically, uh, it's incredible. Uh, and I, honestly, that's all I really wanted to say. Uh, we have two Steeler fans uh, and I would like for them to be able to speak more to it because again, they clearly understand Mike Tomlin more than uh, a casual fan would. Yeah, just to, I mean, you can get this one first if you want, and then I can, I can take it or. Okay. Um, well, I mean, I think the, the big word here is consistency. I think that there was a huge mantle with Bill Cowher, say what you will about the man and the way he uh, coached the Steelers, but he was consistent. They were always a threat. They were always a powerhouse. They had issues that needed resolved every single year. They had that, but he was able to fight through that. I think that mantle getting tossed on the young man um, and not ever falling for, like you said, 14 seasons, he's not lost one of those seasons. We've had some really bad seasons. We're not having, you know, for being best in the league statistically right now, we're not having the best season right now. Um, and he's been consistent in growth and replacing, like you said, and making sure that um, the key elements of, of Pittsburgh football are present on all sides of the ball with everybody that comes in and out. Um, the zero tolerance, the, you know, that man, I used to say it about Cower, and then I, I think I just said this on Sunday. Uh, you know, he's got some intense faces. That's that's an important thing in Steeler football, I think, after all those years with Cower. Um, but meaning so that he really, truly cares and knows when um, the team itself is underperforming to the standard that they've set in the practices and um, going along with his, his coaching scheme. I think he's an excellent coach. Um, I think he should absolutely retire at Pittsburgh, but that's up to him. I don't think that uh, Pittsburgh is ever going to have that that thought. I mean, it, it, I think the, the fact that he is now uh, tied with Tony Dungy and um, it, it, that it is so much tougher for African-American coaches to succeed, I think that that is an accolade. Um, but I think the way that we can make change is just by letting the scorecard, let the statistics speak for themselves. 
How can you not want me around? Look what I'm doing for your organization. You can see green, right? I know you're having problems seeing color right now, but you can see green, right? Um, that's what I respect about Mike Tomlin because I've never heard him talk about that. You know, I and I and and that's that's important to me uh, because that means when those things that inevitably do happen, it is we've we've talked extensively about how hard it is to be a black man in society, um, in general, let alone a coach in the NFL running an entire organization in the public eye 24/7. But he's he he's not that type of guy to have to he's he's like i my results will speak for themselves i will be the person i want to be in this world and be successful at it and that's what i respect about him as a man and as a coach again the statistics speak for themselves they do so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna hit a couple things and then we're gonna move on uh when i think of of you know successful black coaches you know um Obviously, from the top down, it, it would be Tony Dungy. I, you know, you say black head coach in the National Football League, it's Tony Dungy, it's uh, Mike Tomlin, it's Dennis Green, it's Art Shell, it's Fritz Pollard, it's Lovey Smith, it's Marvin Lewis. And, you know, so there's a lot of them. Um, and it doesn't get recognized a lot. And, you know, it's something that they're working on and that the NFL is working on, hence the, the Rooney rule. Um, but uh, for the Steelers, you know, I'll tell you like this. I'm part of a lot of fan chats on Facebook and groups. And the Steeler fans are so hard on Mike Tomlin because Mike Tomlin has the best winning percentage out of all the coaches that that have coached the Steelers regular season. However, playoffs he is the worst head coach with percentage wins. Bill Cowher was better and Chuck Knowles was better. So that's what the knock is when it comes to Mike Tomlin. It, it's not so much having the best regular season, it's about championships. So see Steeler fans most of them, it's not about, you know, what you can do for 16 games. It's about what you can do for the final couple games in the playoffs and, and bring the Lombardi trophy home. That's what it's always been about. Uh, you can say that's what it's always about for every team, but hey, some teams don't even get to the dance. Some teams have never been to the dance, so they don't even know what that's like. Um, another thing for me is we were talking, you remember how we were talking about tears? a couple weeks ago with the quarterbacks. This is this is sick to think about. Mike Tomlin, in a lot of people's eyes, and I won't say everybody's, but in a lot of people's eyes, is a second tier coach. The question is, why is he considered a second tier coach? Bill Belichick is always above Mike Tomlin, but who else is above Mike Tomlin? Think about it. What other coach in the National Football League right now would you rate above Mike Tomlin? Nobody. So how can you even be a second tier coach if you're the second best coach? Unless the first tier is only one person. That's the only argument that you can give me. I die hard believe that Mike Tomlin is a great coach and I, I'll ride and die with him. Bad boys for life. That's just who I am as a person. But a lot, of, a lot of these Steeler fans that are on these groups with me, they don't see it like that. And that's okay. That's okay. 
you know, only time will tell. He's so young, and I know that he was defensive-minded. And when he came here, they're like, oh, he was a defensive back coach. He's going to do some things defensively for the Steelers. And the Steelers get shredded year in and year out by defense. Another great point that people always bring up that I have to fight, and then I'll, I'll, I'll concede, is he won Super Bowls with Bill Cowher players. He ain't won no Super Bowl with his players. He's won Super Bowls with Bill Cowher's players. So that's another thing that I have to fight and be like, listen, yo, it's in due time, things are gonna happen. They say, we don't do due time, we do right now. What have you done for me lately? No best season record is what you've done for me lately. It's about a, a Super Bowl championship. And that's my time. Yeah, I'm gonna let Marvin go, but I just I have to comment. Some of those those fans and those groups, man, they just need to sit down. Look at the leagues that these coaches were playing in you know for the playoffs by the time we get to the playoffs against some of these nfc uh stacked divisions we've just not we've been underdeveloped we've been playing lesser teams all season long i i mean i just you gotta it's way deeper than that i i, I hate that too man i <laughs> i really do and honestly i i think that that that's just a ignorant mindset i'm gonna send it over to marvin no, I appreciate what you guys had to say about Mike Tomlin. Um, all of you on this panel, um, congrats to Mike Tomlin again for winning that award. Uh, but it's just, uh, it, it's just, I agree with you, Tony. Uh, there's no explanation behind why Mike Tomlin doesn't get the credit he deserves. You know, um, I grew up watching Tony Dungy, and I never thought that I would see another coach after that kind of implement that same kind of success, but I was wrong. You know, here you have Mike Tomlin, who has maintained that level of success for so long. I mean, you could they could throw out the worst playoff percentage record all they want to, but the man it took his team to the postseason. He got them there. And then the Super Bowl appearances that they were in, it wasn't blowouts. They were on the verge of winning. That second Super Bowl that they played against the Packers, they were on the verge of winning. So it's a it's it's to me, Tony. It reminds me of what LeBron James said recently, and I agree with it. And African-American coaches and African-American athletes are still in a constant battle and constantly remind us that when you get to a level of success, especially the level Mike Tomlin's in now, they're always going to find a way to downplay and minimize what you've done. And that's exactly what I feel has been unfair to Mike Tomlin. You put him on, if he left the Steelers right now, his phone would be blowing up because every team would want a, a guy that is a leader of men, which is exactly what Mike Tomlin is. That's what he's exemplified as a head coach of the Steelers in a competitive division, such as the AFC North. I mean, that, that game this past week, I mean, yeah, you can say the Steelers, they gutted that out. But look at Mike Tomlin on the sidelines. He outcoached John Harbaugh, outcoached him in the second half. And that's exactly what Mike Tomlin does. He bring he's just a veteran coach. He's a young, he's a young coach that would still, if he wasn't with the Steelers today, his future would be very bright. But like I but like I agree with you, Richie, Justin, they gotta do everything they can to keep him you know as a head coach for the for the Steelers because there's almost as if there's no one else 
look at the personnel that he's had to deal with in in the past you know the past few years look at what this man's had to deal with antonio brown Le'Veon bell distraction after distraction and this man has kept his team together and that's what he did he was and justin you you hit the nail on the head earlier when he it didn't matter whether uh, he he thought he had the best receiver in the game, you know, a, a, a diva receiver in Antonio Brown. He's like, that's fine. I'll flip you and I'll go get three other guys that can do what you do, but better because they're not about their stats. And Mike Tomlin is a team first guy. And if you ask me, y'all, it would not surprise me if Mike Tomlin getting this award this year led his team to a Super Bowl and won it. What it way would that would that would just cap everything off? And I, hats off to Mike Tomlin. He should get more of his due, and he should Here get more go. respect on that chat, <laughs> Tony, that you've been reading. Because it's just the, the, those fans. They just they got to be more grateful. Be more grateful of what this man has done for your team. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, just a side note. A quick example, Tony, I'm glad you mentioned that whole Pittsburgh, because again, I don't know that atmosphere as a fan of the team. You do. Um, Only thing I would say is that the man was 34 years old when he was hired. You know, this is what Pittsburgh does. They hire 30 year old coaches. Uh, He's 48. And like I said, he can can coach for a long time. He was 36 when he won the Super Bowl. Like I'm 35. He was 36 years old when he won the Super Bowl, man. That, That and to be able to do that at that age. And, and to balance out, look, we talked about leader of men, you know, he's basically the same age as these people. And he was still able to like get the respect and garner the respect. But to the Pittsburgh Steelers fans you're referring to, what I would say is this, with the, the cowers guys, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a coach, um, his name is John Gruden. A lot of people love John Gruden, right? Big, big into John Gruden. I mean, look at the, the Raiders. They paid a lot of money to get John Gruden to come back, come back and coach. And there's this myth that he's this incredible coach. And I remember him winning a Super Bowl. And I remember, I remember there was a, there was a really good coach by the name of Tony Dungy. Yes, sir. Made this insanely good defense for a team called the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who happened to have Tom Brady at the moment. And I, I remember they lost in the championship round and Tony was fired and they traded for John Gruden. Traded. They gave up picks to get it. John won the championship. And oh, what the narrative was, was Tony Dungy isn't a winner and John Gruden is. And to that, I would definitely say is the difference between what I would consider where Tomlin is and where uh, Chucky slash (laughs) John Gruden is, is both of them inherited teams to be successful. But look what happened to Tampa Bay with John Gruden, and then look what, where Tomlin's been at. So I, I don't think that's a fair assessment. Also in football, uh, superstars like the Steelers had have longevity. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger's still playing, right? So if they win now, does that, I mean, is, is that still a coward guy tech? I mean, how long do you go in, into those types of things? And again, like you can argue, like like I'm with Marvin on the Green Bay thing. One of all, first of all, competitive game. Second, Green Bay had a better roster. So what? It's his fault. Green Bay had a better roster. Like let's be honest here. I I'm not saying Ben Ross is a bad quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is better quarterback. Period. Then those wide receivers were better than Steelers quarterback. So so what? Is his fault that he had a worse team when he's not 
picking the players. He's not necessarily the general manager. He's not the owner. How's that his fault? This this man does, and this is the same thing. This is the reason why Marvin Lewis was able to stay in Cincinnati so long. When you keep a team successful, or like what the ownership considers successful, you will have a job in this and in, in, in career. But to me, the fact he's never lost a season, he's at least gone eight and eight. Is that's fourteen seasons of not mediocrity of success. Mediocrity is when you're at six and ten. You're at seven and you know that's mediocrity when you when you have a losing record you're mediocre eight and eight in the nfl is never mediocre because there's injuries and there's so many circumstances to it and i'm i'm shocked to hear that but i appreciate you putting that out there for people because again that's like a very specific niche so to hear that there's people who find this coach not as successful as like okawa's winning percent because to me that's absurd i would take Tomlin over Cowher, and he, I mean, there's so many years those Steelers sucked when I was watching them when Cowher was the coach, and he had Jerome Bettis, and they still sucked. I mean, come on, man. Hey, that that's all I got for you right there. Um, I was going to ask you about Marvin Lewis, but you brought it up. But um, are you surprised? Is anybody surprised that Marvin Lewis hasn't found a job yet? This is a tricky answer. Here's what I'll say as somebody who intimately understands this coach. I think Marvin Lewis is an incredible GM. I think that's where he belongs. He is incredible at drafting players and identifying talent, but he sorely lacked what I think Mike Tomlin had, which was that command and leadership. One of the things uh, he was always afraid to do, and he said it in interviews multiple times, is he did not want to play rookies because he did not want the um, leaders of the team to feel like they're getting ousted so soon, which is not what a leader does, right? A leader focuses on the success of the team. And if the rookie's the best player, the rookie plays. So um, in that regard, I've, that, I've always had issues with Marvin Lewis. I think Marvin Lewis is a great general manager. I think he's an incredible defensive-minded coach. But I think that's why you're sorely not going to see him as a head coach currently, because in this avenue of football, a defensive minded coach isn't what people are looking for because the rules have changed. And I mean, you look at you get a Kansas City, you got Seattle, you have these teams averaging over 30 points a game. And Marvin Lewis is not the coach that can coach that team. So um, to me, I think he deserves by his resume alone. That man deserves a a head coaching career right now on some team. Why is he not on the Jets? Like, why is he not on the line? There are so many teams. He, he just from his resume alone, he should have that opportunity. But in my opinion, I think he's an incredible general manager and that's where he belongs. Um, the Bengals were always had great rosters. If you look at the roster on paper, they're always good, but they never performed well. And that's that's on the coach. So I, I think he deserves an opportunity. I am shocked. He only got one look. Um, I, I believe he will get a chance. I believe next year after this, this season's over, that's when he'll have a real chance because he only had one team to really go to at that point. It was Dallas. And we, as we all know, there was a hog. It wasn't even a real chance or opportunity. But uh, I, I, I would be very sad if that poor man ended up having to take the Jets job and had a bad showing and then, well, he, he coached the Bengals and he coached the Jets and they, they didn't go well. Uh, I, 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 I am a little surprised, 
but I do believe he will have another opportunity very shortly. I think the Cowboys needed him. I think that goes back to the whole Billy Bean thing. <laughs> if any, if anybody is a Billy Bean in this situation and can figure out what needs to happen on the Dallas roster, it might be Marvin Lewis. I mean, because you said he is, um, a, a, as far as the head coach goes, more fitting for the GM position. So I think it's a it's a good blend for a team like Dallas right now that has for all intents and purposes, some big ticket uh, names there. You know, it's it's that same story. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and he dealt with a, uh, an owner who, like Jerry, had to have all control. Mike, Mike Brown has does all the draft picks. No one gets to do the draft picks. And only in the last three years did Marvin get to, he put it in his contract that he got to draft a player. So I do agree with you in that sense. I never even thought of it from that perspective, but that's a great point. He's one of the few people that it was equipped to handle Jerry Jones on that level, actually. Yeah, Tony, um, I'm not surprised. Y'all, I'm not surprised that he's not uh, got a head coaching position in the NFL yet. I mean, because when you look at Marvin, Marvin Lewis's career with the Bengals, he lacked postseason success. I mean, 16 years as the Bengals head coach, seven playoff appearances, no playoff victories, y'all. You, you can't you, you can't be a head coach in this league with no postseason wins. I'm sorry, you just can't do it. No, no owner, no GM is going to bring in a guy that just does not have postseason success. So, I mean, it, it's not to say that Marvin Lewis is not a good coach. It's just those years with the Bengals, if you go and look at some of those postseason games where they should have beat the Steelers, and you look at games where, like you said, Richie, earlier, uh, he just didn't have command of the team. And he just didn't have command of the defense. You saw Bonte's perfect act out multiple times during the Steelers games. Caught, you've seen some of his defensive players, his top guys, cost him games in the postseason because he just did not have command over the locker room. And that was always a worry, always been my worry for Marvin Lewis, is that he just does not he just does not have that voice. He doesn't galvanize his team enough to whereas his team can go out and put up and consistently win week in and week out. So, y'all, I think that he would be best fit as a defensive coach because when he was with the, the Baltimore Ravens, he proved that under, uh, under uh, I forget the coach's name, but he Brian proved Bell. that what? Yeah, Brian Bell. He proved that in that, he proved that he was, that he was a great defensive coach there. And when he went to the Bengals, some of that success translated there on that defensive side of the ball. So I think that what we have here, uh, I think all, everyone can agree, uh, Mike Nolan with the Dallas Cowboys needs to be fired immediately. And Jerry Jones should do what Tony said earlier, pull his head out of his ass and start interviewing candidates for that D.C. position. And I think that they could start with Marvin Lewis. Because when you look at teams around the league, I mean, I wouldn't want Marvin Lewis to go to the Jets, y'all. I mean, come on. I don't want him to go there. Uh, it's a wasteland. But I think that he'd be a best fit with the Dallas Cowboys to replace a Mike Nolan because you got a Demarcus Lawrence down there. You got uh, Vander Esch. You got a, you've got defensive pieces, even though, I mean, <laughs> the Cowboys have been getting served hot L's this whole, this whole season. That's just been attested to the defense. So I think that if you can, Marvin Lewis would be a great fit for that job. Um, not so much as a GM because, like I said, 16 years, seven seven postseason appearances, no playoff win. 
I don't want to miss my GM. Marvin, I don't ever butt heads with you, man, but there's 13 coaches right now in the NFL that don't have any playoff wins, including your boy Matt Patricia in Detroit, including Gase over in New York. Marvin Lewis is a better coach. I think he absolutely deserves a job over some of these knuckleheads and these crap divisions and this poor excuse for football when we're seeing better games played on Saturday in yeah. Division Two. But Justin, I know what I know what I'm gonna get out of Marvin Lewis if I sign him to a contract. I know what kind of postseason, well, lack thereof, postseason success my team might have if I hey, take Mark, a chance. You don't want to go him. twelve and four and then not win it win a playoff game ever? You don't want yeah. that? Yeah. What was the point? What was the point of getting to the postseason? The New York Jets are zero and eight right now. They would kill for. They got their. They got Jim Mora down there talking about playoffs. <laughs> we just want to win a game. Mar- Marvin sounds like those Steeler fans that I was talking about. He don't want to go twelve and four. He wants to win some playoff games. He yeah, wants to win, win You know, win in the postseason is where it counts. Absolutely. You, know, you can, you know, ask the New England Patriots that were undefeated one season and then lost in the Super Bowl. History tells us this. I mean, regular season, regular season wins are great. I mean, they show us what teams are capable of before they get there. But when you know what you're getting with an head coach, with his track record of lack of postseason success, you know what you're getting, Justin. You know what you're going to bring in. So those other guys that you listed off, yeah. But if I bring in Marvin Lewis, he's just in the same bucket as them. No, because Marvin Lewis can turn a team like the New York Jets from an 0-8 team into at least a winning season, as Richie alluded to before. And then maybe we're talking about hasn't had a playoff win yet. I gotta, I gotta defend my man here. Mark's going a little hard on him. Let me, let me, let me say something here. Now, I've been a Bengals fan my whole life. All right. When Marvin Lewis came on that team, yes, he got Carson Palmer, and that was a big part of it. Big part of it. But they went from losing to winning the division five times, right, within eight years. They became winners instantly. Now, yes, I agree with you. He never won a playoff, but when you when you have a te- when you have a team that averaged three and a half wins to shoot all the way up to eight and a half during his tenure, a five win swing, I think that's worth it. Even for even to galvanize a fan base now, because again, I agree with you in the context of we're talking about championships and Tony Tony's fan base is different because they've won. But there, when you look at the NFL and the 32 teams, mine included, many of them haven't ever won a championship. And to have a guy who, if you throw him on there and you're going to get, if, if you could say, hey, if my team got five more wins, where would I be at? And he could probably do that for most teams. I think he's worth getting a hire somewhere. I, I, I just think he didn't have a good fit, except for Dallas. And I don't want to talk about that. We're, our podcast has been going crazy, but... He should have been the Dallas coach. Honestly, I'm disgusted by that. It's just like black guy gets turned over for the white guy. Same shit, different story. Like, let's be honest. But Marv, I agree with your passion. And again, the Bengals fan base didn't appreciate him, but I certainly did. Um, Cause I, I know what it's like when they sucked. And he at least, you know, like I'll give it this. He's not a leader of men. I firmly believe that. I believe he had teams that were so incredible that could have had opportunities. Carson tore his ACL the one time, but the 2015 is a prime example of what you said, perfect. 
They yeah. went no 12 and 4 and they basically gave the Steelers a win when they could yeah. when they were, uh, they were the better team but he couldn't control them like you said. And that, right. that showed at that point that's when he should have been fired in my opinion. When you uh, yes he was 12 and 4 but like that shows you what like the Marvin Lewis syndrome. It doesn't matter how good his team is, he finds a way to lose. Because he doesn't play to win, he plays not to lose. Yeah. As a Bengals fan, that, that would be my critique of him. But regardless, that man deserves an opportunity somewhere. He's an incredible coach. Yeah. I mean, Tony, it's not fair that you said I'm, you know, I sound like the guys in the chat. That shouldn't be the narrative. All I'm saying is, Richie, Tony, just the narrative shouldn't it changes after a while. Fans, like you just said it, Richie, uh, the Bengals suck for the longest until Marvin Lewis came in. And then they were winning, and that changed. They were over five hundred, well, for five for five years. But the expectation it exceeds expectations at that point. The fans want to see more. The fans are invested. This is like the Steelers. The fans are invested. They they have expectations. They have you know they they have a, a championship. It's championship or bust mentality for that franchise. And you just you just didn't see that. I just didn't see that with Cincinnati in the years that they were getting to the postseason. So, yeah, you're right, Richie. Yeah, he deserves it, but I just don't know if it's going to happen because you, you just can't trust a man with no postseason wins. I'm sorry, you just can't do it. There's 13 organizations that disagree. And you can't trust those guys either. That's that's what happened to the fans. What Marv said is very true. Once they saw he could, he proved his track record. Then the expectations rose, and that's when he froze. Yeah, and and then if you're a fan of the NFL, which which a lot of people are, you know that a lot of teams it takes time for it to to build up. I mean, the Steelers sucked through the '80s. The Steelers barely got to where they needed to be in the '90s. They made the Super Bowl one time, but they they ended up losing. Uh, you know, so the Patriots, the Patriots were a really terrible team once upon a time. The Browns were a really terrible team once upon a time. They're they're trying to make a little comeback. So I mean, they still might be terrible. It, the jury's still out on that, Tony. It, it takes it takes time for you know it to mature, <laughs> for it to get to where it needs to be. It's that it's that fine wine. It takes a little bit of time. Marvin Lewis should definitely not be uh, missed out on. He definitely needs a to get a job. But uh, we talked about a lot of great things here on The Wire uh, today. We appreciate you joining us. Next week, we're going to talk about MAA. Excuse me. I couldn't even get MMA. that out. It, I couldn't even get it out because I don't even know that much about it. And we're also going to talk about golf, which I do know about and I know how to say it. It just rolled off my tongue. Golf. It was like I got golf. a hole in one. Golf. Anyway, till the next time. Thank you for watching The Wire.